Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Journey. That's unwsp.edu slash journey. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. That's me. Awfully uh, glad to have this hour ahead. David Wheaton is going to be joining me in just a minute. And then Kim Cotola is going to be coming into the studio. So it's going to be a fantastic hour. Thanks to Beverly Canaris for coming in for the last hour on Psalm 23. It's a great psalm. I'm going to go study it again some more and just let it soak in. What a great psalm. And I'm looking at John chapter 4 and I think of when Jesus was offering living water, it sounds like there's a new celebrity that has uh, just receiving the living water and is quite excited to talk about it. His name is Kanye West. And it's been interesting uh, what's happened in his life the last, oh gosh, couple of months. And we're going to chat with David about that because I think he's got a chance to have a very big impact. Um, so I'll see what David thinks about that. We'll take 60 seconds and bring him, bring him on. The holiday season is upon us, and with its fun and festivities and celebration often comes stress, busyness, and even sickness. So how do we stay happy and healthy this holiday season? I recently talked to Dr. Troy Spurl of Synapse Center for Health and Healing about this topic, and afterwards I wrote down some of my thoughts on my blog. You can read more by searching the phrase Healthy Holidays at MyFaithRadio.com. Fresh content every single day at MyFaithRadio.com. Dad, I've decided to paint my room neon green. That's bold. Grandma, I think your cookie baking skills are slipping. Ooh, that's bolder. I know you might not agree with me, but God has changed my life, and I'd love to tell you about him. That's boldest, and the greatest change comes from the boldest moves. Welcome to Faith Radio, where you'll be equipped to boldly share your faith. And while hopefully others will change, it always changes you. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. My guest is my friend David Wheaton, host of The Christian Worldview. You can go to thechristianworldview.org to learn, of course, more about David and his amazing ministry. It's interesting that uh, Kanye West uh, is out now as his professing his faith in Christ, and what an opportunity he has to be uh, sharing the gospel. Um, David, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be with you, Bill. How about that, Kanye? Well, yeah, well, for those who might be listening today who don't know who Kanye West is. I mean, most people do know who he is, but if you don't, I kind of looked him up on Wikipedia to get a better idea of what he's done and who he is. And it says that he's the most critically acclaimed, one of the most critically acclaimed musicians of the 21st century and one of the best-selling musical artists of all time with over 140 million records sold worldwide. He's won a total of 21 Grammy Awards, making him... Uh, one of the most awarded artists of all time. Uh, Time Magazine named him one of the most top 100 influential people in the world (laughs) in 2005 and 2015. All of his records have gone platinum, and he holds the record for having the most consecutive studio albums 
debut at number one on the Billboard 200, and he's worth a reported $250 million, and he's married to Kim Kardashian. So th this is you know quite a person. He's going quite an impact on mm -hmm. our on our culture, and this story of his his profession of faith has just taken place in the last six months. He's a major celebrity, of course. You know, there's a lot of pressure not to do this kind of thing uh, because it immediately narrows your road if you're a believer and the world doesn't understand. But I think you have the soundbite of when he went on the Jimmy Kimmel show and, and what he said there. Yeah, let's hear it. Do you feel born again, Connie? Do you feel that? Huh. Yeah. Would you consider yourself to be a Christian music artist now? I'm just a Christian everything. Uh-huh. Everything. Yeah. That's called a profession of faith in Christ <laughs> when you say that on yeah. national TV. And so this is, I think, why this story has gotten such incredible amounts of media attention and so forth is that this is a major turnaround. I mean, this is this was a guy who was known as being this vulgar rapper who was, you know, kind of, you know, descending on these award contests and erratic behavior and drinking. He's a self-aggrandizing. A lot of his lyrics were demeaning towards women. Um, all of a sudden, he becomes a born-again Christian. It sort of reminds uh, me of the story of the Apostle Paul, uh, who is going to Damascus to actually persecute Christians, a very high-profile, highly educated, up-and-comer in the religious community in Israel. And uh, he's on his way to do his, his evil deeds in Damascus, and he meets Jesus Christ in the way, and there's this radical conversion, and people around it, by the way, just like Kanye West, people don't believe it. Christians are, are nervous to be around him. This guy is going around trying to murder and persecute and uh, jail Christians. And all of a sudden he has this radical conversion. It's very similar in, in some ways uh, to what's taken place with Kanye West. And Kanye has been doing these things called Sunday services. It's kind of a traveling musical show on Sundays all around the country. Is a new album out entitled Jesus is King. It's number one again. I think you can't diminish the fact also why this is garnering so much media attention, Bill, is that he's a Trump supporter. He likes Donald Trump. And, you know, Donald Trump is the most divisive figure in, in our country at this point. You either love some of the policies he's putting out there or people just loathe him. And so take all this and mix it all together. And the, the world is cynical. They consider it sort of like a maybe this is kind of one of those prison conversions or something. There's something Kanye is doing this for some financial gain, whereas you have Christians who are pretty excited about this or even giddy about it, but just let's just temper our enthusiasm a little bit that God doesn't need celebrities to accomplish his purposes. But overall, Bill, the people uh, in the country, Christians, the media are talking about this story big time because there's been a big turnaround in his life. And then David, Kanye seems to be uh, very self-motivated uh, to be proclaiming the gospel I mean, I remember when Bob Dylan got saved, they couldn't get him on stage fast enough as a spokesman for Christianity. And and he wasn't ready. I mean, he was not in a place where he was very mature in his faith, and it was kind of a disaster. And he ended up sort of renouncing his Christianity. Yeah, and I think that is an excellent point, Bill. That is something we talk about, the comparison between Paul and Kanye. And I'm not saying Kanye is the next impossible Paul at all. Oh, I know. I'm just saying they've had radical conversions. I think it would be good for Kanye— to do what the Apostle Paul did after he was saved. What did he do? He went to, I think it was Arabia three for years. three years. Yeah. Didn't hear didn't hear a word from him. Right. In other words, he needed to be grounded. I mean, this is a serious thing. When you become a follower of Jesus Christ, this isn't like, oh, I got a new hairstyle or, oh, you know, I've become more disciplined. This is a radical transformation. 
you've gone from being dead spiritually to alive spiritually. You've gone from your destiny being hell to your destiny being heaven. You've been forgiven of your sin. This is a huge, that's what they call being born again. That's what Jesus said about it. And so it would be good for Kanye. I think this is one of the things that I hope someone who's speaking into his life, and I think there are some sound people speaking in his life, can persuade him that it will be better for him at this at this point for him to step back, get out of the limelight, be grounded in a by good disciplers in a good church, and then kind of recalibrate where he, God wants to take him with his life, and then come out again because uh, you know there's some things he's already been saying that you know it's just sort of like he kind of just you know just kind of grimace when you hear him say it. We can get into some of that. But overall, things are very promising for him. And he is, uh, week after week, you know, filling 17,000-seat arenas So right. um, and putting on these these shows, which are quite amazing. I mean, I saw a clip of one, and I thought, this is really looks in, not only interesting, and but the music is amazing. And well, I'm thinking, he, you know, he's getting a whole new audience that are hearing uh, the gospel as well. Absolutely, and he's an incredible musical talent, first of all, and he has a creativity that they just, you know, they're just not a lot of people like him that, that are able to, you, you don't, you don't win this many Grammy awards, uh, you know, especially with this kind of his controversial personality. He, he doesn't, he, he speaks his mind and so forth. He's got a lot of God given ability. And it's interesting what he said, there was an article on, on faith wire, uh, about his conversion and, and, and I'll, I'll just read a paragraph from it, but he was originally discipled or or by a pastor named Adam Tyson, who is a, a pastor of a church in Placerita Bible Church in Santa Clarita, California. He's a, a graduate of the Master's Seminar, so he's affiliated with John MacArthur's church. And this pastor said that, he, that Kanye came to church. Uh, he said, the first time I talked to him, the first Sunday in June, he said, I got radically saved. This is Kanye West saying this. Imagine Kanye West walking into your church. I got radically saved five weeks ago. Uh, he said, uh, I was just under the weight of my sin, and I was being convicted that I was running from God, and I knew I needed to make things right. So I came to Christ. I came out of darkness into the light. And there's a lot of good news, by the way, in just Kanye understanding that really that is the core of what it means to be saved. When Ever you heard someone say, yeah, well, I became a Christian, I was born a Christian, or yeah, I started going to church more, or I turned over a new, those always make me suspect, to be totally honest, because that's not why you're saved. You're, you're saved because Ephesians 2 said you're dead in your trespasses and sins. And if someone's faith story doesn't include, like, I was a sinner, I was offending God, I was at odds, the wages of sin is death but God saved me through Jesus Christ. If those kinds of, that kind of language doesn't appear in any faith story, and it's all about kind of these religious sort of things that we do being done, I got baptized or I go to church, that is not the evidence of, of genuine conversion. But what is Kanye seeing, saying here about the weight of my sin and being convicted that I was running from God, and I, so I came to Christ, that's the kind of language of someone who has been presented with and understands who has believed in the gospel. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, keep chatting about some of the things he said, and, and uh, let's. Uh, this is a very interesting story. David Wheaton's my guest, and go to thechristianworldview.org. We'll take a short break and be right back.
Welcome back to the show. David Wheaton's my guest, as he is on Wednesdays regularly. I'm always grateful for that. We're chatting a little bit about uh, Kanye West, his profession of faith. I appreciate, too, David, that as a person has an experience, they always connect it to a biblical truth, because everybody has experiences, right? Right, exactly. So when you connect it to a biblical truth, uh, then I think, yeah, that's you're you're saying uh, you're, you're you're saying it well. Yeah, very very much, and that that's that's the good news here about Kanye West is you know some of the things he's saying, at least most of them. We'll get maybe get into the few things that why I would say he should probably step back for a few years, like the Apostle Paul did with such a radical conversion, uh, to be grounded and taught and so forth, but. Yeah, he's certainly saying some things, especially about his actual conversion, that someone has explained the actual gospel to him. There's lots of gospels out there in the world, and all of them are false except for the biblical gospel, which is God created you to be in relationship uh, with him. That is the purpose of your life, to worship and obey him and serve him. But your sin has separated you from God, and that your sin will result in a physical and eternal death unless something is done about it, and you can't do anything about it yourself. And that's why God sent Jesus to come to earth to live a perfect life, his own son, to take our punishment on the cross for us, so that when you repent and put your faith in him, God will be satisfied, his wrath and justice will be satisfied because of what Christ has done on the cross on our behalf. That is the biblical gospel. And and, and our decision we have with that news is, well, are we going to reject it? No, I don't believe that. I'll just try to be a better person. Uh, to, you know, make make God happy, you know, it would be kind of Jesus plus me, or it's, no, I repent and I put all my 100% of my faith in what Jesus did for me on my behalf on the cross. And that's what it sounds like Kanye West has done. Mm-hmm. And David, he's also been uh, talking, speaking out against fatherless homes and speaking out against abortion. And that's going to get a lot of people's attention as well. It, it is. I mean, he can, there's no question, like I said earlier, you know, we shouldn't try to over-celebrate a celebrity uh, becoming a Christian. It's it's a great thing for anyone to become a Christian. The angels in heaven rejoice, the Bible says. God doesn't need a celebrity, but, you know, things—he has a big platform, and when someone like that has that big of a platform, uh, they can move the needle on certain things. But it's not all rosy for him, Bill. We we, we have to say there, there's, there are going to be some obstacles ahead for someone this high profile. With that high-profile platform come some obstacles, and, you know, even just breaking with his his former life is going to be difficult. It sounds like he's definitely has a new pattern of life, and this is great. But have to remember, this is a man who who who's coming out of a here's a biblical term a lascivious life. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't become successful by living righteously, but by living unrighteously. That's why there was so much attraction to him. He was always on the radical edge. His music glorified abusing women and a, a vulgarity and so forth. And following Christ is 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 the Bible says it's a narrow road, not a broad one. And so I think you have another audio bite of of him saying, you know, of kind of the way he used to be, of him saying, I'm the greatest artist of all time. Maybe you just want to play that short clip. It's indicative of kind of what he's like. Yeah, let's go to that clip. I am unquestionably, undoubtedly, the greatest human artist of all time. It's just not even a question anymore at this point. It's just a fact. Wow, he's kind of full of himself, though, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, he said that he he has said that after he, he made this profession of faith. But you know what? He's young in his faith, and uh-huh. he it's going to take time to grow. And so things like that, hopefully, 
will fall by the wayside. Christians shouldn't say those kinds of things. It's, it's, it's God who is the one who gives us our gifts, and we let other men praise us and not our own selves. So breaking with this former life is, is going to be difficult, but I actually think that he's kind of on his way on that one. I think a more difficult obstacle he has is going to be his relationship with his wife. And this is not just for Kanye West. This is for any couple out there. You're married. If one of the spouses becomes a believer, a follower of Christ, it can create a lot of problems within a marriage. As a matter of fact, the Christian Post uh, reported that there was a debate going on between uh, Kim Kardashian West, uh, Kanye's wife, and Kanye over some dress, revealing dress that she was wearing. Uh, on one of their reality shows, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And Kanye expressed how uh, his wife's decision to wear these clothes in public negatively affects him. And then this article says, to which she replied that she's not on the same path as him, referring Mm. to his newfound faith in Christ. Now, (laughs) you, you can see, you know, the Bible says that we should marry, Christians should marry in the Lord. Of course, he wasn't in the Lord when he got married to Kim Kardashian, so that wasn't the case. But now that he is professing to be a believer and she's not, uh, I think anyone who's in this kind of relationship and marriage knows what the potential perils can be when there's an unequal yoke in marriage. So there's a second obstacle, and I'll give you one more obstacle that he's going to be facing as well. So breaking with his former life, relationship with his wife. But it's also going to be the third one is going to be a strong pull. The Christian world is wide and it's not all, all that glitters is not gold. And there's going to be a big pull on him to be sort of like, oh, Kanye's one of us. You come with us, Kanye. There's going to be all sorts of errant ways that are going to be pulling him, whether it's the maybe the new apostolic reformation or the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, mm-hmm. these kinds of things. And this is why I think it's really important for him to get grounded early on, because everyone, like they do for every celebrity, has always got their door open for them uh, to oh, come into our house. And I think I, there's another audio clip that if you have time to play uh, where he talks about he's speaking at one of his Sunday services about Mormons and cl- Catholics. And maybe you just want to play that short one. Let's see if we can. Do we have that one? What do you say to people who would say, and there will be people that will say, I don't believe it. I don't believe the reawakening of that Kanye is saying he's having. I don't believe if I look at the last two, three, four, five years of his life, I don't believe that this can be as uh, night and day as it is. Do you know what I mean? Well, that's that, you, what, that you would be one day living your life in one way and now saying everything is for this. I'm not sure I believe it. What would you say to those people? Well, I'd say when you go to sleep, would you agree that you are asleep when you are asleep? And when you wake up, would you agree that you are awake when you are awake? Yeah. Would you agree that, that those are two different states? People who don't believe are walking dead. They are asleep. And this is the awakening. Mm-hmm. It's a great, it's a great line. That was actually to encourage people to watch that. That's on YouTube. He was doing an interview with James Corden, the, the guy who has the late night show who does mm-hmm. the kind of the sing-alongs in the car. Well, James Corden, they were on an airplane and they were flying back from Kanye's ranch in Wyoming. And that he had his whole choir on the plane and James was interviewing him and they were singing some songs in the plane. It's really interesting to watch that. And so James Corden is bringing up the question that a lot of people are asking. I mean, is this, is this really for real? We've heard this story before from other celebrities, but is this for real? And his answer, I think it says, it is pretty biblical. You know, when you're, when you're unsaved 
uh, you're just asleep. Like the like Ephesians 2 again says, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Do, do dead people understand anything? No, they don't. You need to be spiritually awakened. And so Kanye said, I had this awakening. Now that wasn't the sound, but I was, I asked you to play. But anyway, that the other one was about Mormons and Catholics. And he was saying, hey, Christians need not to worry about the big differences. It doesn't matter if Mormons have another book and the differences in Catholics and so forth. Well, yes. I mean, there are major, major significant theological differences that are very serious between Mormons and Roman Catholics and biblical Christians and so forth. I mean, we don't want to discount what actually occurred during the Reformation 500 years ago when people died and the church split and there were very important doctrinal distinctions made. And we can't just erase those with nice sounding, you know, sound bites now. Um, but the point is, again, I think you have to go back to the point that this is Think of yourself if you're a believer, what you what you knew and what you said early on in your in your in your conversion. And that there there's a time that you need to be grounded. So I keep on going back to that, that this is really promising for him. I really think we should be praying for him. We should be patient with him. Um, but time is gonna tell. And I think he needs to take the time now uh, to be under a sound church and a sound teacher who's going to help him be grounded in the faith. Otherwise, he's going to be pulled in a million different directions. Mm -hmm. I also uh, saw this morning, uh, earlier too, David, that uh, actor Brad Pitt uh, said that he doesn't think he's an atheist anymore. And he thinks what Kanye is doing is really cool. It's really good. Well, well there you go. I mean, yeah. if if Kanye can uh, you know, impact someone like like uh, Brad Pitt, hey, that, that that's just a great thing. And this, this goes back really— I. I the, the, the story in Scripture that really, I think, helps explain this so well is the, the Jesus parable of the soils in, in Matthew chapter 13. Uh, this is the—some this is the some people said this is the foundation parable of all Christ's other parables, and you have God as the sower of the seed, and the soil, the seed is the gospel, and then the soils are different kinds of responses to the gospel. And the first one, the soil goes on hard ground. The person doesn't even respond at all. They just keep moving along. But the next three soils, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil, are three different kinds of people who respond, all respond to the gospel. And But the only one that really the gospel is truly received is the good soil. And there's fruit that's born, some 30, some hundredfold, as it says in that particular passage. So I think, Christians, we don't need to judge anyone from a standpoint of, you know, don't be judged lest you be judged. We also need to be discerning. We need to I think just look at someone, pray for them, you know, think positively for them from a standpoint of give them the benefit of the doubt. But at the same point, we also need to be discerning and realize that you can't just assume someone who makes a profession of faith is necessarily absolutely the case. I think there's some very good signs with Kanye. And again, let's pray for him that this works out well and he is truly soundly saved. Yeah, David, you've done some really nice analysis on this. Thank you so much for, uh, for doing the show today. Thank you, Bill. You bet. David Wheaton has been my guest. Go to thechristianworldview.org for more about David and his ministry. Take a short break, and we come back. Kim Cotola will be joining me in studio.
Thank you for being with me today. I have Kim Katola in studio, which makes me awfully happy. She's a writer and a storyteller and an award-winning broadcaster. You may know her, of course, from Cradle My Heart, which ran for years and years and years. How many years was that, Kim? Uh, about just, it, it's like at the seven-year sabbatical okay. point. That's <laughs> God <laughs> just said, something else now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. <laughs> but you at, were here at the University of Northwestern and spoke in chapel for a couple of days. Which I loved. Oh, I bet. I really loved it. You know, I, this um, this institution is, it, it's been so significant in my life and in my spiritual and personal development. You know, I I went back to school as an adult student and got my ministry degree here in 2008. And um, even before that, um, when we started our, we had a different 501C when we, when we lived here, started Cradle My Heart Productions when we were in Georgia, but we had a different one when we lived up here in Woodbury. And uh, I was just naive enough and, you know, ignorant enough to think that I could just start a nonprofit and present a post-abortion healing conference, mm-hmm. you know, without any seed money, <laughs> you know, but it was mm-hmm. very cool because God brought it all together. We happened to have a person in our Bible study who was an event planner, and she said, well, here's how you're going to do it without any seed money. And then George Bruchaber, who Bruce, my husband, met on an airplane, lent me some of his professors to help me write curriculum so that our conference could be approved for CEU credits nice. for mental health professionals in mm-hmm. the state, a faith-based abortion recovery conference wow. presented in a church was approved by the state of Minnesota for licensed social workers and marriage and family therapists. I mean, it's it's kind of a miracle. But Dr. Alan Curitan was among the college presidents that we approached. You know, we, we thought, well, there's this issue isn't on the radar but it ought to be on college campuses, and particularly on Christian college campuses. There are students who are impacted by this or who may be facing that decision, who you know may need to know some of the information we're presenting. And uh, Dr. Alan Curitan was, I'm going to tell you, the only college president locally who had the vision to support us as a sponsor and donor. That is just like Dr. Curitan. You know, and he also he also brought in uh, an anonymous donor that made a significant gift, you know. And so I just, I think that um, the culture here at Northwestern is just, it's just so, um, it's amazing. People don't know the depths of the involvement in the community and support and really and love that are pouring forth from this place. And uh, so... Uh, you know, and I also I had one semester as adjunct faculty. I was teaching. I didn't know that. I was teaching media ministries, and it's a little story. You want to hear the little I story? I do want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I tried to embed a, a video in my PowerPoint. <laughs> okay. Have you ever tried to embed a video no, in a I PowerPoint? Haven't. No. So the workaround is you find the video on YouTube and run it through internet on your PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. So neither worked our first day of class. <laughs> and uh, as I was up fumbling uh, at the lectern and a student came forward to try to help me, the fire alarm went off. And that morning we had had black ice. And so it was really cold. It was really, really cold. And it turned out somebody had, I think, put an orange in a microwave. That's a thing, if okay. you didn't know that. It'll, it's not good. You don't want to put an orange in a microwave. I should probably should not have ever even said that. On yeah, the I can't wait to get home. <laughs> anyway, we're standing around freezing in the parking lot waiting for them to clear the fire alarm. The, and, you know, because they evacuated us. 
And I overhear one of the students saying to the others, if you're teaching media ministry, shouldn't you know how to work your video and your PowerPoint? <laughs> <laughs> well, they have a point there, don't they? <laughs> so I, I was adjunct faculty for one semester. <laughs> okay. I love that story. Yeah. So then you got invited to come back here for a couple of opportunities to speak at chapel, and I want to hear everything about well, that. Well, for the students, you know, they're, as I understand it, um, they're having a, an abundant life emphasis in chapels throughout the year. So it's not just related to abortion and the pro-life issue, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's related to you know, the value of each person, the you know, from the womb to the tomb, as they say, right? The, the seamless garment doctrine that all life is sacred. And uh, that means, you know, life before birth, but it also means many other things. And so um, I was asked to come and speak on the pregnancy and abortion issue. And one thing that was very cool was the inspiration, not from me, but uh, from the team that uh, in the middle of my talk, I was talking about making the case for life, which we've done, Bill, many times, how you can defend unborn life using science and philosophy and moral reasoning. You don't have to go to the Bible, but of course you can, and you should if you're talking with other Christians. But anyway, uh, in the midst of making this presentation and talking about how, you know, the science of embryology is settled, that life begins at conception, over 20 embryology textbooks agree. So we're going to give you, you know, how many of you students have seen a live ultrasound? Well, a number of them had which just tells you how much the world has changed. When mm-hmm. I was in college, you know, what? <laughs> I was so ignorant of fetology and embryology, which is how the abortion industry was able to sell abortion to mm-hmm. me and millions and millions and millions of other women, and they still are, using, you know, unscientific junk science, fake news nonsense about no Deception. one knows when life begins. That's nonsense. So anyway, as we're talking about this science that affirms, you know, that life begins at conception. New Life Family Services brings in a 14-week pregnant model, and they do a live ultrasound on her baby. And it's being narrated by the ultrasonographer. And and it was just, the whole thing was really dear because the the nurse who was doing, you know, administering the ultrasound happened to be pregnant with triplets. <laughs> wow. But you couldn't tell that. And so, you know, as the three of us were standing there, I said, you know, I'm going to speak a little and then we'll come out. And these are the people who are you won't see, but they're going to be participating in this ultrasound demonstration. And, you know, how many of you think there are three humans on stage? Well, you know, of course, there were three, but were there only three? And so, you know, a lot of people raised their hand for four because they knew one was pregnant. And no, there are six of us up here. I think even that was a little bit of a... Yeah, a reality check mm-hmm. for the students, you know, uh, to help them see unborn life, mm-hmm. right? Because the more that you see unborn life, the the harder it is to objectify and otherize and negate them, right? Yeah. And so, so this baby, as we're doing the ultrasound, first of all, was like yapping its jaw, just really? opening and closing Quite its mouth. Quite the performer. And then turned full face to the wand. So we got this, you know, really this facial look and then started doing like deep knee bends, like (laughs) like pumping. It was the cutest thing. And what was so funny to me is that, you know, a lot of the college students, Bill, let's face it. I mean, I'm old enough to be their grandma. Okay. Who is this lady? And why should I listen to her? Mm -hmm. And I don't blame them for that. I understand that. Right. But I mean, when that baby started, everybody was riveted. And everybody was like cooing and laughing and ha oh, ha, you know. And I'm like, why? Why? Because 
It's, it's a it's vibrant life. It's a baby. It's a baby. And babies are inherently lovable. Oh yeah. God knew that, you know, they were going to need that protection that they're going to he's going right. to have to make them adorable because otherwise you know, why? It, it's hard <laughs> to take care of them, you know. <laughs> so anyway, um that was really really amazing, especially because you know, part of the presentation if if my um you know, sponsoring venue will allow it in making the case for life is to allow the uh, deceased children to speak for themselves, which means, you know, showing the evidence of what it looks like when mm-hmm. a baby has been aborted. And um, and we did that. Wow. They agreed that that would be sort of the bookend of having seen this amazing presentation of a live ultrasound. And so we saw, you know, the remains of uh, a baby aborted at about eight weeks. And there was a holy hush. It was very... Um, it was very, I, I was very, very impressed with the students. You know, I think that they, uh, many of them were very moved. Many of them, I, you know, came to me afterwards and talked about wanting to become more active and so on. And, you know, one of the things I said to them, Bill, is that I think, um, I don't recall who said it first, but if we were to give a moment of silence to every child lost in abortion, it would take over 100 years wow. to honor those just killed by abortion in the United States, you know, and so as we looked at as we looked at that horrifying image, you know, we, we they naturally again fell to silence out of reverence, because it's so clear that this is humanity which has been abused and destroyed. So uh, yeah, that that was um, that was a it was a good thing. I, I really enjoyed being at chapel. The students were amazing. I heard from a student who is. Uh, a mom to an 11 month old and you know is talking about and I love that that you know there's this idea and it's really old school because now we have what Beyonce winning some tournament what was it the Australian Open when she was pregnant mm-hmm. she beat Venus no, 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 and yeah. Venus was like well fairly you know there were two on the other team <laughs> right yeah. you remember that uh-huh. um, it was kind of a high risk pregnancy but it was very cool you know we have Serena Williams, uh, as you say, you know, playing tennis, pregnant. We have mm-hmm. Beyonce doing crazy performances, pregnant. You right. know, of course, a woman can complete her education while pregnant, and young women are doing it all the time. You know, that's another thing that I find very dear about this college is that they don't have a policy that says if you're pregnant, you have to quit. You know, because some Christian schools do, and that's been a driver of abortion. You know, a University of Northwestern takes the cases on an individual basis and does what's best for mm-hmm. the student and everybody involved. So so the images of the aborted child, do you think that there were many students there that had seen that before, or do you think that was new to them? I don't think very many people have seen okay. the images. You know, um, I, and I, that's, I should have probably pulled them. I should have probably pulled them. Uh, you can find these images online. You know, I use the image um, that uh, is used by Created Equal, and they put those images on jumbotrons, um, you know, in in the campus commons at colleges and universities all over the country. I'm a little uneasy about that, um, just seeing, you know, um, something that's quite gruesome without any context mm-hmm. and, you know, sort of trying to provoke people. Uh, and they've had very strong reactions and very negative reactions. 
you know, I think it's most honoring to the children as well as to those who view the images to put them in context to warn. You know, I think if yeah. you're if you're going to use images like that um, to again to humanize the unborn to break the hearts of those who don't know what happens. You know, I mean, for so many of us, Bill, it's just an idea. It's a debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gridlocked, much less. You know, it's like well, no one's ever going to change their mind about that. Well, of course, people change their mind all the time. Yeah, and Planned Parenthood is never going to want you to see either of that, either of those images, the no. ultrasound or the aborted child. Right, correct. And they always, they routinely, Bill, will push back that the images are altered or that they are photoshopped or that they are not real, but they're very real. We know Monica Miller and others who have taken credit for some of the uh, photos, and they retrieve those remains in the dumpsters behind the abortion businesses. That's tough stuff. And then, you know, and I mean, but in the medical field, if you saw Unplanned, the Abby Johnson movie, you know, part of the job of abortion workers is to catalog the products of conception, which means they have to make sure that all of the parts of the fetus were extracted in the, in the vacuum operation. And so, um, anyone who has seen anything medically along those lines can, testify that the of course the photographs are real and the vacuum system is uh horrifically um violent isn't it violent yeah Yeah, that's the word i was looking for it is it's a dismemberment abortion yes you know i mean at 12 my my abortion was at 12 weeks bill and i was told that it was a blob of tissue and i was told that it was not yet a baby well pre-internet times but i didn't try to you know uh, research that any deeper. These were my trusted medical professionals, mm-hmm. right? And well, I mean, it wasn't my regular doctor, but they, I assume they were operating legally, right? And that they weren't going to be deceptive and so on. Um, and of course the abortion industry has pushed way back against any kind of informed consent that would require a woman to be given facts on fetal development and embryology and so on. But, um, you know, I mean, you picture something very different when someone says blob of tissues. But uh, even if it is the, uh, uh, what is it, the um, the zygote, you know, the single mm-hmm. cell organism, guess what? That's what a human looks like at that stage right. of development. Yeah. Just tissue. you know, right? human. As, as far as it goes right now, you're just tissue, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> that I agree with. <laughs> right, you know, look- some of your brain tissue is, uh, you know, more valuable than some of the other uh, tissue. Not really. Let me take a little break. Kim Cattola is in studio, and we'll be back in 90 seconds. <laughs> studio and you remember her know her from cradle my heart radio for seven years now she's here chatting with me i can just listen to anything you say kim well last night was a really amazing night bill i mean i i've retired from producing any new media mm-hmm. and so um i'm i'm my tear i'm serving and <laughs> serving a pregnancy center in their abortion recovery support ministry as well as helping out with some of the family caregiving that's why i'm back in minnesota today I'll be seeing those grandbabies soon. How are the grandbabies? Can't wait to. They're just delicious. I bet. So delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, 
So last night we had a memorial service as the capstone of our Forgiven and Set Free Bible study. And it was really um, it was really a beautiful thing. You know, many of these women were in the study because best practices in the abortion recovery, in the pregnancy center um, ministry is that if you had an abortion and you want to come and volunteer, that you must go through this abortion recovery Bible study or one like it. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, you see the wisdom of that, because if you're in a counseling room and you haven't fully processed what happened to you and suddenly something they say reminds you of something that happened to you, you don't want your emotion to now you can still get triggered right mm-hmm. right or you know or you may still have a rationalization in your mind right you may still not have fully repented and you, you may not have grasped god's full forgiveness for you i think it's a wise course well most of the women in the group um were volunteers who were are very mature in faith and whose abortions were a long time ago, and they were all saying, well, yeah, of course, you know, I'll comply, but I don't struggle with this anymore. <laughs> the memorial service last night, the emotion that the Holy Spirit released was such a blessing for each one of them. And I really encourage you, you know, that if you if you had an abortion uh, decades ago, uh, maybe maybe you're like me, Bill, now where you just can't, and I don't know about you and your recovery from other things, but... It's like you think about some of those days and you're like, who was I? I can't even relate to my own story anymore, mm-hmm. right? You've changed so much. God mm-hmm. has changed you so much. Um, but the, these for these women, it was really a blessing and a spiritual leap in their growth to be able to name their children and give honor and dignity to them by publicly um, speaking about them and dedicating them, you know, with flowers and candles and all the things that we do when a loved one dies. It was very, very beautiful mm. thing. Sounds and like there were fresh tears. They, they very much were. Yeah. And it was a very sacred thing. And so, you know, I'll, I'll always serve in some kind of pro-life ministry. And it's, it's a huge blessing to be able to uh, watch hope dawn on somebody's face after they've had an abortion. And still, you know, there are a lot of pastors who need healing. A lot of pastors who need training. There's no unit on this at seminary. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I had been working on a curriculum, and it's kind of on the shelf right now because of other things. But, um, yeah, I have a heart for changing our culture so that those hurt by abortion, especially in the church, would be able to truly be healed, mm-hmm. to truly be able to, you know, have a new continence and a new spirit and to be able to, you know, withstand the attacks from yeah. the enemy and from our culture that say, you know, nothing happened to you that you need to talk about anymore. Wow. Kim, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about last night, just because this, it sounds so powerful. Mm. And I know there's people listening right now that are going, how do I do this? Well, it's, you know, it's part of abortion recovery. Okay. So if you would contact a pregnancy resource center, find out if they offer abortion recovery. Most of them do or will refer. Um, New Life Family Services in the Twin Cities has conquerors. I know we're in other markets here at Faith Radio, but I think that there are pro-life pregnancy centers in all of Faith Radio's markets uh, that would certainly be able to refer, if not to, you know, go ahead and just plug you into one of their groups. And one of the things that we've done at Fayette Pregnancy Center where I serve now is, you know, people were waiting. We had a group scheduled a couple months out. I met with them individually and we went through the curriculum together, you know, and that, that's, that's the heart of those who are serving in this ministry because mm-hmm. they know that if you have, you know, if this, it can be very, very spiritually limiting 
and it you can make you feel disqualified from service. And that's not God's will. God God wants to take all of those experiences so that you can comfort others with the comfort with which you have been comforted, as it, as it says in Second Corinthians. And so, yeah, the women, and, and you know, we, aside from all the seasoned volunteers who were there finding their healing, there was a young woman whose abortion was more recent. And, uh, you know, I, everything is confidential and private, and so I'm not going to give any identifying details. Um, and there's cadres and cadres and cadres of volunteers at that pregnancy center. So I hope by saying that some of the volunteers have had abortions and wouldn't um, identify anybody individually, Bill. But, um, you know, younger women have come through. And the healing can be much more intense and much more um, heartfelt, I think, um, because in the first five to ten years after an abortion, it's just very, very hard to come forward. It's very hard to share that information with anyone. It's very hard to be open about it. It's very hard not to believe the devil's lies because mm-hmm. what does our enemy do? First of all, before you sin, he says, not a, not a baby, not a sin, no moral right. proposition here. Come on, it's legal, everyone, you know. And then afterwards, wow, you did that. You're the worst person ever. <laughs> yeah. Of course, you should be ashamed the rest right. of your life. You know, because he's a liar yeah, and he hates us. Right. Most of us don't understand how much he hates us, Bill. I think he just hates God so much. Right. So he hates who God loves. Yes. Which is us. Yes. Yeah. He hates us. I know. Right. And so if you are vulnerable to his lies, uh, it can be, you know, that much more difficult to reach out for your help. But uh, we've had, you know, some younger women have done that too. And it's just really beautiful Mm -hmm. to see them in freedom. Now, Kim, there a lot of Planned Parenthood clinics are closing across the country, mm-hmm. and I think there's going to be a lot of people screaming that it's the pro-lifers that are shutting them down, but really, I think the truth is that they're running out of clients. They don't have quite the client base as they once did. Well, abortion's kind of self-limiting. Yeah. I mean, once you have one, if you keep having them, you won't have any children to give your doctrine to. Right. For one thing. <laughs> That's true. I mean, it's... I'm being sarcastic, but it, know, but it but it is true, and they're they're in disarray. Bill, you know, Cecile Richards, their former president, was a master politician. Oh, I know. She did not have a healthcare background, and never forget they are a political organization, yes, they are. as well as a healthcare nonprofit, supposedly. But they are a political organization. Well, they're trying to sell that they're healthcare, so they bring in this Dr. Leanna Wen, and um, she you know, told the truth just a little too often. They had to, you know, nip her in the bud. What did she last about six months? And now who even knows who their current president is? They're just in, you know, they seem to be in regroup mode every time you hear any news about them. And they're they're battling this lawsuit with the Center for Medical Progress. And, you know, at some point, the videos are going to have to be shown. And think about this, Bill. David Delayden's on trial. It's been going on for six weeks. I think it wrapped up today. Mm-hmm. He's on trial for going undercover and, you know, taping their executives talking about what they do with fetal remains, mm-hmm. whether they, you know, donate them or traffic in them. And he has, you know, he has tapes of his conversations with their executives. And they argue, and the judge agrees, that nobody should see those tapes when we're talking about whether or not he did anything wrong. Wow. What? What? How right. is that a fair trial for yeah. him if he's Not. on trial for this? Yeah. You know, and because they said they rejected the idea that he was a citizen journalist. He was just out there invading privacy, Bill. Yeah, he was breaking laws. Just because he just wanted to invade their privacy. Yeah. 
and endanger abortion providers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's their argument, that they, seeing these videos would endanger their providers. Why? Because you're doing something that makes people steaming mad right. at you. I'm not endorsing violence, but if the evidence of your work inspires violence, do you think that you're doing something that really is in the public interest? Mm. I mean, I am not in favor of violence, and certainly not as a believer in Christ. The battle belongs to the Lord. We can't ever take it into our own hands. You know, but think about that. That's their argument. If people knew what we were doing, we'd be at risk of death. What? (laughs) Kim, I miss you being on the radio with me often, so thank you for being here today, and thanks for what you did here at on campus speaking at chapel i know those students were amazingly blessed by you and i'd love to have you on more often please consider it call me up i will will (laughs) thanks bill thanks for kim katola has been my guest Uh, kim katola.com it's a place to go learn more about her that wraps up our show for the day thank you for all my guests for making such a great show we just loved it and i hope you have a great night i can't wait for tomorrow see you then Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.